0: Hello Bitcoiners, my name is Ansel Lindner and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me, let's go. new intro guys <laughs> what do you guys think uh just getting ready for when the next bull market comes i want to be approachable to noobs that are coming into the space anyways blah 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 so yes ansel linder here bitcoin and markets today is march 29th 2019 we've had some good price action a couple other news items i want to talk about the chinese wet season and of course this report from bitwise with the fake volume it's continuing to grow and so i'm going to talk a little bit about that it's been about a week a week and a half and so the it's kind of simmered there and it's continuing to grow so that's important to talk about if you guys would like to support the show go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support lots of ways to do that there subscribe if you're not subscribed wherever you're listening to this and sign up for the report. It's a free report. It's going to make what I talk about here on the show a lot uh, make a lot more sense because you'll be able to see the charts that I'm talking about. That report comes out every Friday, you know, whether I get a podcast out or not. Okay, so some of these Friday podcasts um, are missed because I just get too busy throughout the week. But, anyways, so that that report comes out every Friday. All right, let's just go right into the price. So right now on Bitstamp, we have $4,090. The high was $4,102 on Bitstamp. Some good uh, price action here. Now, this we got up to that 4100 mark that I was looking for a couple weeks back. It just took a little while to get there, but we're in this nice channel right now, pushing on a major, major trend line, which goes all the way from the all-time high through the top of the dump at 6000 and down to here. So right now we're above that line, at least the way I'm drawing it on my charts, whether we can hold there, not sure, but we are touching that line and we're showing that, you know, higher highs and all of the kind of momentum seems to be shifting back to the bulls. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to take off in price or anything, There's a lot of things that go into this. Some of the technicals are actually saying we should go down. You know, a lot of these technicals are showing overbought conditions, depending on the time frame you look at. But fundamentals don't obey that, right? And rules are meant to be broken. And there's always exceptions. Right now, I think we're kind of in this where these fundamentals that I talk about, the macro situation is overweighing the technicals to a degree. And of course, you'll have TA people that say they don't buy that. But I will use the technicals to inform my price calls. Anyway, so you have to have some understanding of the tech. You have to have some understanding of economics. You have to have some understanding of the technicals on the chart. It, it, a lot goes into that kind of thing. Anyway, so where what, what do I think is going to happen? I, I was calling after the last show or on the last show. I said, I think the next two weeks we're going to see back down to, I don't know, 36 to 3800 area. We kind of tapped that a little bit. And then we went up to this 4100. I still think we're going to come down a little bit. So I would like to see us hit 3800 or even have an extended kind of slide. We're, We're still, there's still a little bit too much attention on Bitcoin. And so we probably need one more big semi-capitulation. I don't know what that's exactly going to look look like. It could be in altcoins, okay? And that's what I've been saying for many, many months is that Bitcoin could just stay stable, right? Could just stay very stable, maybe even slightly trend up while the altcoins crash, major altcoins. Like look at Ripple. Ripple was not responding with its typical zeal. I think it's really coming under under pressure from a lot of different Places so Ripple could have a spectacular crash, and Ethereum, of course. I mean, no one's using it, <laughs> and we'll get into this um, whole thing with the fake volume and how what I think that means for altcoins in a little bit. But anyway, so that's the price. Let's take a look at sentiment. So, this is longs versus shorts. Specifically on Bitfinex, but it does. Bitfinex is one of those top ten exchanges that we learned was real volume, and this is real, like live sentiment. I think of the market, mainly more towards retail, but there is CME will tell us kind of a different story. Uh, overall, this is this is uh, the sentiment I think out there because Bitcoin really is a retail game still at this point. CME futures, and we have some other institutions dipping their toes in but a vast majority of the volume is is retail okay so we want to get an idea of that retail sentiment of course the big institutions can come in and make that uh, disrupt that very very easily but i don't see that coming in the near term okay i'm talking in the next month or two uh, no way Maybe in the next year or two. Yes, they're going to be in here with the vengeance and throwing their weight around. But right now, it's, it's still a retail game. So anyway, what is sentiment telling us? Well, uh, longs are pretty stable and shorts are coming off a little bit. And even though we're going up pretty impulsively in price here, the shorts aren't really responding at all. And neither are the longs. Like usually you see longs adding as we go up. Um, but they aren't doing anything, and shorts aren't doing <laughs> really anything either. So the, the, the shorts have come off a little bit, so the ratio of longs to shorts is 1.3. So 30% more longs and shorts. This gets into, I believe, there's a structural bullish bias in Bitcoin. I mean, there's definitely a structural bullish bias, but there's also... A fundamental bullish bias from the people here. So I think uh, 1.4 is roughly equilibrium. I would say maybe 1.3 to 1.4 would be equilibrium and we're right at 1.3. So the ratio is trending up towards longs, but the total is flat. It is very, very low. It is at a cycle low. Okay. This is total trading going on, total open Open interest, I guess you would say, on Bitfinex. So, what is this telling me? Well, there's just not a ton of interest right now. People aren't buying this move. Uh, People are kind of waiting to see what's going on. And maybe even people are moving over to other platforms as well. So, I might have to look at expanding this. Uh, Like, Darabit, I know, is a quality exchange, at least at this point. And they're, they have options and futures. So they're getting some more volume as well as, of course, BitMEX. So there, there's other places to, uh, show this sentiment. But, uh, for the time being, this is the best that I know of. So it's, it's neutral. It's neutral. People, the, there is no big sell off coming, uh, according to this. And there is no big rally coming. So we're going to trend up a couple hundred bucks, trend down a couple hundred bucks and continue in that fashion, at least for the foreseeable future. All right, let's jump into altcoins before I even talk about this volume thing. Let's talk about altcoins. So Litecoin is kind of slowed down. I do expect one more big uh, pump before it's halvening, which is coming up in August, So far in the year, Litecoin has outperformed Bitcoin 80%. EOS had a really good week this week. They're outperforming Bitcoin on the year now 52%. Ethereum is right around negative 6%. So they continue to slide. Even when you look back to their all-time high against Bitcoin was back in June of 17. And so for almost two years now, they've been in a bear market versus Bitcoin. I expect that to continue because their situation is worsening. It's not getting better, right? The ICOs are gone, at least most of them. There's some shady stuff, some scammy stuff going on with exchange traded ICOs, okay, or exchange launched ICOs. But that's not, it's so scammy, it's not going to build into something like we saw with the ICO market. And of course, they're scaling stuff. So they're, their, their blockchain is getting extremely bloated. The, even their current state is getting extremely bloated, um, very hard to sync. Uh, where Bitcoin has around hundred thousand, or I think it was down to eighty thousand nodes, according to Luke Dash Junior's numbers. Uh, like uh, Ethereum is stuck at around nine to ten thousand. Okay, because it's it's even their fast sync is getting hard to sync, and that's because. Okay. So the way they do it, there's been a lot of confusion out there. So I'm going to try to clear this up right now. So Bitcoin has a blockchain and a UTXO set. One of the problems with scaling with the block size is that you lose incentives to keep the outputs, which are in the UTXO set, to keep them under control. So you'll have you know dust Bitcoin everywhere. And that UTXO set will grow and grow and grow. Now, if just think if um, we start right now, I believe it's, uh, let me look this up real fast. So right now the UTXO set is growing linearly, it looks like, and it is up to around 52 million outputs. Okay, that's 52 million entries in this UTXO set. And every time you make a transaction, the nodes have to go through this UTXO set, find the proper outputs, check the signatures. That's how they validate. All right. If this was, if the UTXO set was to balloon to, um, you know, 100 million or 200 million outputs, it's going to take the nodes longer to validate each transaction. There's this balance between validation time and block size and block time. Okay. And proof of work. It all balances together. Now, this UTXO set would be kind of like the current state of Bitcoin. Now, in Ethereum, that current state is all that the, they fast sync. Okay. So when they talk about fast sync, they're just fast syncing their current state, the UTXO set. And it is growing uncontrollably. That's one of these things, I believe, why they put in this create two and they changed this create two in the most recent Constantinople hard fork of Ethereum was because then they there was a difference in how these contracts were deleted. And that deletion kind of is like how these UTXOs are deleted, right? These smart contracts are, I would kind of equate them to UTXOs. And that is supposedly going to help their current state, I would say. I mean, there's all sorts of different tricks out there that they're trying to pull off. But the, the issue is that they Ethereum hit their all-time high back in June of 17 with ICOs, with blockchain this and blockchain that, enterprise this, enterprise that. That has all come to nothing. And now the, the, the scaling of Ethereum is way worse. It's way more critical. And so I don't see them in advancing against Bitcoin and they need to come down in price. I mean, on previous shows, I said it needs to come down another 95% against Bitcoin. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's what's going to happen. Like if Bitcoin goes up 25% and Ethereum doesn't budge, like dollar wise, then uh, it actually has fallen against Bitcoin, right? So eventually Ethereum will be 95% lower versus Bitcoin. How exactly we get there, I don't know. But that's what I'm kind of waiting for until the next bull market. And this ties into this fake volume story, which again, I'll, t- I'll touch on in a second. Man, I'm kind of all mixed up here today. All right. And of course, Ripple, we see it at minus 21% so far this year against Bitcoin. It's not really doing anything. I think you can pretty much write off Ripple. <laughs> Let's talk about mining here real fast. So this is, uh, I'll even tie in the, the wet season, the Chinese wet season in this one. So in China, in the, the Sichuan province, I guess is where all the mining happens over there. And in the winter time, they are in the dry season and they don't, they, you know, their hydro electricity is more expensive. And it does coincide with the decrease in hash rate. All right. So when we see in, in October, uh, is the start of the dry season, and then it goes all the way till roughly March. Okay, so the, they're starting to get their rains back, and they're starting to get cheaper power, and so hash rate is starting to come back on, and that makes sense with I've, I've been talking about recently the um, big swings in hash rate. That might be those early rains are, you know, maybe the price uh, over there in Sichuan provinces uh Sichuan 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 uh, they are fluctuating at this period and so the hash rate's going to fluctuate with that cost i'm not sure but it kind of makes sense and then we've seen uh, sustained more sustained hash rate uh, over the last couple weeks so as it rainy season kicked in and the, the cost was more uh, consistent then these miners can bring their hash rate back online This ties into a story about Bitmain having, I think, up to like a million rigs or something like that that they're going to take over there and to that certain area of the country and start mining. So we'll see how that affects hash rate. But I think a lot of these people um, are turning on their machines again. We had the the last difficulty adjustment happened uh, back on the 24th and it was 5%. It uh, looks like the next one is going to is estimated at 10 days from now, and it will be about 2%. My guess is it will be slightly higher than that. We're starting to see a big pickup in this hash rate. And to me, that does mark somewhat of the bottom. Now, one of my predictions is for the price of the havening to be double the bottom. And that has to do with this exact thing. So the cost when we hit the bottom. We knew that was very, very low uh, profitability for miners or break even, okay? So if these miners and the market are trying to price in a halvening, it's going to have to be double the price of the bottom. I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm making sense. Anyway, that's all I have for mining today. Lightning Network continues to grow at the 20% a month. It's it's looking really really solid. A lot of different news items have come out recently about Lightning. Of course, the Lightning Loop that I talked about last time. And Async, one of the big three Lightning development companies, they're headquartered in France, I believe. They had a Testnet wallet for the longest time. That was my first wallet for Lightning that I downloaded, actually, was Android Async on Testnet. Um, And they never went to Mainnet but just recently this week, they launched finally with a mainnet wallet. So there is a lot of uh, stuff going on. Of course, the Lightning Torch is continuing to go. I think it's up to uh, 4.11 million Satoshis, but it is slowing down and it's it's losing a little bit of its its luster. Maybe someone will start a new one. I mean, I would like to see HODL and not start another one, because I think that'd be kind of cool just to Keep it rolling, right? So, uh, he plans to donate this lightning torch to Venezuela, which is a great act of humanity for them, and then start a new one, right? And just keep starting these because it's a great way to get buy-in. It's a great way to get attention and headlines, and it's a great way to test the lightning network. So, I think it's all all good things around the lightning torch. So, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> All right, let's dive into this fake volume stuff. Now, I have a lot to say. (laughs) I have a lot to say about it. I kind of have alluded to it throughout this this episode, but um, this is in reference to Bitwise and their fake volume report. I I touched on it last episode, but it was so new that I had the source all mixed up. Uh, So you can listen to that episode, or you know, just disregard what I said on the last one. I I hadn't had time to absorb it. So now looking back on it, seeing what's going on over the last week, I have some opinions. So basically this Bitwise report came out and said they they looked at all the different volumes from a bunch of different exchanges, pretty much I think everyone that had significant volume for Bitcoin, and they looked at kind of the patterns of that volume. They, They weeded it down to 10 exchanges that they thought Definitely had real volume versus bots, wash trading, you know, zero fee trading, market makers. Maybe the exchange is actually the market maker because the reason why a lot of people start these shitcoin exchanges is because they can get money to list these coins. So maybe the real volume is like half a million dollars on their exchange, but they do wash trading and bots and they make their own market look like you know, half a billion dollars. So there's a big discrepancy there. And then they can charge these altcoins, these ICOs that are centralized, they're all centralized, all the altcoins, to pay to get them listed, okay? So there's a different revenue model there. And we've seen a lot of exchanges pop up over the last year. And they all had to make money somehow, right? So (laughs) that's kind of what they're doing. There's other ways that they measure this as well like with website traffic okay so how many users actually logged in what you know what would that mean for volume per user if if you're talking uh, half a million dollars per user per day like that, that's just incredibly silly so that would you know they can say that's all fake. but there's some good stuff in that report. I recommend you guys checking it out Now in the wake of this, We've had openmarketcap.com. If you go there, they ha- it's like CoinMarketCap, but with this real volume from these 10 exchanges that they said have real volume. Also, Masari, uh, they have added real volume to their site as well. And we're seeing this trend. Of course, at- that's after JP Thor on Twitter. He had this piece out on Medium about volume weighted dominance index for Bitcoin, showing you know a very steep Pareto distribution for the real volume uh, or real dominance index for Bitcoin versus the altcoins. A lot, a lot of attention over the last couple weeks on this particular statistic, and so I think it is going to be pretty big because if Bitcoin has only five percent of the volume. These altcoins have way less than that. So you're looking at something, say at number 60, that used to have three million dollars in volume that was fake. Now they know that it's only a thousand dollars in volume or whatever. I mean, that's just an example. And so as you look at this real volume, it's going to t- like the noobs have to realize. And the not, not even the noobs, but the normies, the traders out there—they're just trying to flip and uh, speculate and gamble. They're going to see that these markets are extremely liquid, and they're not going to really invest more there. They're going to try to consolidate into Bitcoin. And then we have the argument now too to play say that uh, to say these institutions that are going to come in, these high net worth individuals that are going to come in, are they going to buy something with? A million dollars worth of volume or a billion dollars worth of volume every day? Because Bitcoin's volume dwarfs these other coins. When you're looking at the old way to measure it, Bitcoin was, let's say, $10 billion in volume. And Ethereum had $5 billion in volume, half. And so it made logical sense that this was a real competitor to Bitcoin. There was real liquidity there and all these other things. But in reality, the volume for Ethereum is a tenth of Bitcoins. So Bitcoin would average above a billion on this new way to measure. And Ethereum would uh, averages between one and 200 million. So that's a big difference. If you ask me between um, 50% down to 20 or 10%. That makes that makes it. Uh, more obvious that these are just worthless. Okay. They're just pure speculative vehicles. So I think that the fallout from this report is going to be immense. And we, we've just scratched the surface on this. To me, a volume argument is is way easier to grasp for most people than a centralization argument. So if you're talking against Litecoin or you're talking against uh, EOS saying it's centralized or even Ethereum saying it's centralized, that doesn't register as easily with people than if you say, look, it has one two hundredth the volume of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's liquidity is way higher, right? Then the big money isn't going to risk their stuff on these altcoins. There's another aspect as well there is the percentage of the market that is regulated. So out of all the volume now, CME has a much larger share. Coinbase has a much larger share. Gemini has a much larger share. These regulated businesses have much larger shares of the total volume. And I think if if the SEC is looking at this, they don't necessarily care about the absolute number that's high. They care about the percentage that is traded from these real exchanges, okay, real volume. I think this could be good for the ETF and good to push forward um, mainstream financial adoption of Bitcoin. I'm not saying good or bad about that right now. I'm just saying that that's one of the arguments. Another thing is, and I think this is my last point about it, is that the volume mined and the inflation rate or the new supply of bitcoin is a much larger share of the market so if you're looking at 10 billion dollars traded every day and you're looking at 7 to 10 million dollars worth of bitcoin mined every day so 10 million versus 10 billion that's a you know a very large difference but now when you're talking 1 billion versus 10 million it's a much closer relationship and now we're, we're starting to think about this while we're approaching the halvening, only about 400 days away. So all of these things add up to me and say, this was a very significant piece of information that dropped of data that dropped onto the market, and people are still digesting it. Remember, <laughs> in my new opening, I'm saying, staying ahead of the curve. This is what I'm talking about. People will keep talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. It'll start sinking into the market. Smaller altcoins below the top, say, probably 50 spots or even 20 spots will start falling with no support. And, you know, and all these big holders like Justin, uh, son of Tron, who's a, who had a big scam this week. But uh, just to use Tron as an example, they might have, you know. A quarter of a billion coins that they own and they want to dump on the market. Well, they can't if the real volume is only 5 million a day. Because if they dump that, they would crash the market, right? So you you trap these scammers in low liquidity and you expose that low liquidity and you trap them there. It's like this Garlinghouse that is, what is he, the CEO or president of Ripple and... He was uh, he was in a headline uh, about a year back, calling him some sort of like billion dollar man or something. Well, yeah, he had maybe he owns five billion ripples, and they were worth three dollars at the time, but the liquidity was impossible to dump. Right, were that was paper value. Really, if he wanted to sell a billion of his ripples, there would be no market. He could not do it. The price would go to zero. And that's what we're talking about, the importance of this liquidity and the importance of this idea getting into people's minds that this is all fake. Bitcoin volume was 95% fake. doesn't really matter all that much because it is producing these transactions every day. It's solving this problem. It's censorship resistant. Um, The market price is set on like Bitfinex and Coinbase and all the big ones that were real, right? The market price for some of these altcoins are set on these fake markets that might have a thousand dollars worth of volume real anyway so that's what i'm seeing keeping you guys ahead of the curve and we'll, we'll see more and more about this in the coming months for sure all right that's going to do it for this episode i did want to end the show with a shout out to bit piggies you can find them on twitter at BitPiggies or BitPiggies.com. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, These are just little piggy banks, but they come with open dimes. So it's a very cool thing if you have kids to show them how this works and to have this piggy bank. They can even use it for real coins as well. But um, great, cool idea to bring Bitcoin into the home, into your family atmosphere. This is kind of a really cheap, cool idea. You don't even really have to talk about it. But maybe you'll spark something. Maybe uh, you'll plant that seed that will, you know, take years to germinate, but it will eventually germinate. So really cool project in my mind. All right. And that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you like to support the show, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for the Discord. Uh, that's it. See you next time. Peace.